The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast with your host, Scott McClelland. Far and wide, and sometimes here at home, these bold and courageous souls that answer the call to missions have a steely metal that insists pioneering be part of their daily routine. Let's gather today and learn from those on the forefront. Here's Scott. There's a lot going on in that time, even though it seems like time stands still. There's a bunch of stuff going on spiritually and, and emotionally and in every way. Yep. So I want to transition on to the second part of that and, and you know, try to unpack for us a little bit, if you will, the conclusion, you know, how did that situation unfold and what happened as the days went on, as time went on? Walk us the rest of the way through that part of the story. Yeah. So um, both of their lives were in limbo that night. And, you know, we prayed and my friends showed up at the hospital and that were there with me and you know, a point came when our baby was kind of gasping for air and I started shouting at the nurses to get her oxygen and they rushed her off. And my, my friends, Jesse and Rochelle were in the room with her and they were praying with her and just praying and praying and praying. And, uh, the Lord took Lydia home that night, you know, to be with her. And, um, and he left Etta here on the earth. And, um, that was, like I said, I mean, that was his own divine prerogative. And yeah. that was obviously the part of the story that makes it so much more devastating and tragic, you know, was having yeah. to let go of our five-year-old daughter. Five-week. Five-week-old daughter, you know, and the Lord took her home. And, um, you know, so we just really trusted him, you know, that this is his will for her life and that, we believe that children do have a childhood in heaven and that mm. he is her father in a very mm. special way. So we were able to release her into his hands, you know, with, yeah. with, a, with a happy heart, a sad heart, but we would feel joy for her. He's sorry for us. Yeah. Good joy for her. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to share the next part of the story, if that's okay. Sure, please do. So that night we were transferred to another hospital in another city and Edda never became conscious that night. And the next morning, the doctor at that town said, you cannot tell her that her baby died last night because she is in such a fragile condition. Like her blood pressure, she had lost a lot of blood. Her blood pressure was like, 60 over 40 when we got there and there, I mean, she was just about to die. And he said, if you tell her she lost the baby, then that might kill her. She mm -hmm. can't, 
she can't handle that kind of shock right now. So don't tell her. And so I'm in my, I have not with anxiety in my stomach mm-hmm. about telling my wife, you know, like, how am I going to tell her? And is she going to blame me for this? You know, you hear all the yeah. statistics about, you know, marriages, you know, not surviving things like this. Yeah. And so I'm just so worried about telling her. So she wakes up the next day and, you know, she's feeling there's a way a woman can tell when it's time to nurse her baby. And she's feeling yeah. that she's just like, where's the baby? I need a nurser. Where's the baby? And I have to not tell her, you know, what's going on and just kind of be elusive and dodgy about it. And she keeps yeah. pressing the issue and I keep being elusive. And I'm just like, you just got to trust me on this one, you know? So I ended up having to just leave the room. It was just too much for me. And then finally, the doctor, hours go by and all of our friends show up and the doctor says, okay, this can't go on any longer. She's stabilized. You need to tell her what happened. And so I get me and her mom was there miraculously, happened Mm -hmm. in Uganda for a visit at the time. And me and her mom and a couple of her best friends, you know, we go into the hospital room and say, Ada, there's something I've got to tell you. And she's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, you yeah. have to tell you this. And yeah. I told her we were in an accident and, and the Lord took Lydia home. And she immediately, her first response was like, oh my goodness, this is all our fault. If we would have yeah. left Kampala earlier and driven, you know, all these, all this, yeah. I yeah. went through and I said, no, I said, you've got to trust me and listen to what I say right now. Do not go down the road of blame, you know, but remember what God showed us, that he is sovereign over the time of Lydia's birth, and he's also sovereign over the time of her death. And you've got Mm -hmm. to trust him and promise me you will not go down the road of blame. It will lead to death and destruction. And he just looked up at me with these trusting eyes, and she was like, okay. You know, and I got to lead her into the victory, the battle that I already fought with many tears. And I got to bring her in there. And she just trusted me enough to let me lead her there in that moment. And I started saying to her, I started saying, remember what God has taught us about heaven, Mm. you know, and, and we'd spent time thinking and talking about heaven. I said, she's there with the Lord right now. He's there with Jesus. And She's not feeling the pain that you're feeling right now. She's feeling pure joy and pure love and pure delight. I start talking about heaven. And and as I do, her face just starts glowing. And the peace of the Lord just Mm -hmm. falls on her in that hospital room. And all of her friends, her sisters in the Lord are just marveling at the grace and the peace that's on her as Mm. as she just escorts her own heart into the place of faith and hope and believing what the scripture says is true and remembering what the Lord had shown her. And again, you know, it's not the time to do the Bible study in that moment. Like you better hope you've already done it because if I'm like, well, you know, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and she'd just be like, just shut your mouth, you know, I don't even want to hear it. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, but she had put the time in and meditated on the word and she was ready for me to bring her, escort her heart into that place of remembering what God had already shown you. Mm. Wow. Well, praise God 
for the preparation advance, especially even the verses and those things you had gotten from the Lord. What a, what an anchor. Etta, how was it for you? You know, I, I would guess that fairly, like within a day, you regained consciousness. And tell us something about your perspective there that would add to and and more round out the story. What were you going through? Well, I would say, you know, days later, that same piece that fell on the room, just such a gift from the Lord remained. Mm-hmm. Days later, in another hospital later, there came a night where Will and I were, interestingly enough, it, it almost seemed like a confession of yeah. a level of peace that we both felt. Mm-hmm. It was almost like it, it shouldn't be this way. It should be. It doesn't take away from its extreme grief. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that it doesn't take away from its profound grief. But yet with, with peace, I tell people now in retrospect, it's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but the Lord is with me, mm, you know, yeah. the shalom of God is with me. And I just, sometimes as people, I would encounter people when we made it back to the state that I could just see it, it was kind of like this fear in their eyes that I, I reminded them that. I didn't verbally remind them, but my presence and this this part of our mm. journey reminded them that their worst fear could actually come true and actually happen. <laughs> yeah, and um, mm. I just felt like, oh Lord, if there's anything that I could impart to them, that I could give to them, it would just be that, like, He will not take you into a valley or lead you any place that He does not give you the sufficient grace, like his grace really is sufficient. Yes. It's like, now I know, like if you had told me three years ago when we moved to Uganda, this would be happening. I would have been too afraid. I never would have gone, you know, but I'm like, nothing can make me afraid now. I feel like, and I just feel like, you know, as you deal with fear, like, no, he is so much bigger. Like he, his grace is sufficient. You know, that's, that's what I can say. And he is so faithful to prepare us for what's ahead. I mean, three months before this happened, actually, when we went to go get this very vehicle, I rode for five hours in the car with a lady who had lost all three of her children in a car accident, who mm. told me, shared with me story after story of the things God had shown her about heaven. And she said, I just have to live there because that's what like, it's so real to me. And wow. uh, so all of that was fresh. I mean, just beautiful things she'd shared. And I just, I had this really, I would call it, I don't know, cool is probably not the right adjective to use, but for lack of a better word, cool experience. Yeah. It was yeah. a gift to me that, you know, a few days later, I, you know, I still can't move. I think I've already been through maybe one of the surgeries and my brain is getting more blood flow. I'm able to connect thoughts and I'm laying there. I can recognize, okay, I'm breathing. Nothing else in me can move, but I'm breathing, but I read, they've told me what's happened and I'm going, okay, I know that any of these breaths I'm breathing could actually be my, my last. And it was just a moment with the Lord where I go, huh? Okay, Lord. Well, if it's my time, because like my husband shared, God had already just dug the roots deep into our hearts of a time and a season, both for birth and for death. 
And so that was just dug deep in my heart, this anchor to lean upon. And I said, you know, God, I just want you to know I'm okay. If now's my time, like I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. And not in a morbid way. Like I don't have a reason to die, a reason to live, nothing Mm -hmm. like that. Just like, I really do feel at peace with you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't die. And through that, I realized how true, like, you know, when Paul says, hey, guys, for me to die is gain. Mm, yeah. I'll tell you what, that just went in my heart. I'm like, to die really is gain because I began the next several months, I began to live in heaven just in my heart and in my mind. Like I read every, every encounter people had had with heaven and dug in the word. And, you know, Randy Alcorn has this great book, heaven. And just, all oh, I just like lived there. I lived in eternity because it was what would sustain me. And I'm like, oh, wow, to die really is gain. Like my pain and my grief is only for myself and my own loss. Like she, yeah. I'm so happy and I'm rejoicing with my daughter. And, but Paul goes on to say, but you know, if I go on to live, it just means fruitful labor for me, like to live as Christ. And and I began mm-hmm. these dialogues with the Lord around around that topic. And I said, Lord, like, why, why didn't I? Like, you know, it just seems kind of like easy <laughs> to take me out or whatever. Yeah. But anyways, he just yeah. spoke you know, from Ephesians 2. He said, you know, there really are good works that I've prepared beforehand mm-hmm. that you would walk in them. And you've mm. not yet walked in all the good works I've prepared beforehand. And it just set my heart to say, you know what? I'm just saying yes and amen right now to every good work. And when those are finished, then I'm ready. I, I want to be yeah. with you. I mean, to die is gain. Yeah. I, you know, prefer that. And yeah. since then, you've had three more little good works that have names. Yeah. And so it's a really beautiful thing because my, with my pelvis being broken and stuff, there was just, you know, you just didn't know it. And honestly, I felt like such an old soul. I mean, I was in a hospital bed for so long and I just felt like old in my soul. Like, mm. <laughs> so just like, I'm way over my childbearing years because I'm old. <laughs> I don't uh, know. It was an emotional thing, but how glorious for God, you know, to, it's mm. beautiful to look at my three other children and say, wow, yeah. wow. you really are you know, God really wanted you and desired you. And you're one of the reasons that I'm still here. You make living in this fallen world worth it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you guys for sharing what is certainly a a tough season to pass through for your transparency there. And the way you encountered it, I think is, is full of help. You know, it's like, uh, stem cells for the spirit, right? I mean, you've got this stuff that is like very potent that we, when we pass through these kinds of things, yeah. infectious, you know, powerful seeds of hope, I think, mm. for everyone. And I think, you know, as Christ's body, it informs us, you know, to do better when it comes to these kinds of things. We can do better. And you guys are a good example, I think. Maybe not a perfect example, you know, because you had your own weaknesses there with you, as we all do. But uh, we need to grow in our, I think, our vision beyond the veil, if you will, of this life. In the sense that 
you see a lot of people of faith who, you know, they don't know how to approach the final chapters. And I'm saying that not from a standpoint of uh, (laughs) being better at it than anyone else. I promise you, I, I want to do well when it comes to the final seasons of my own life. And this is something I've been working on for a while. So I think your story and your willingness to share it, it it helps us to think in those terms and not in the sense of a fearful way, yeah, Mm -hmm. but in a hopeful way. And obviously nobody gets out alive in a natural sense, right? We're Mm -hmm. all going to finish our chapters and, and fold the book. So I want us to, I'm hoping to be synced up with the Lord with regard to that. And I think you guys, a lot of what you're sharing here is how you synced up with the Lord in relation to this. Very, very valuable. Thank you for sharing I don't want to leave the story, you know, at that point, because our story was really a story of victory and overcoming and restoration. Just like at the end of the book of Job, you know, God restores everything to right. tenfold. And that's yeah. what happened at the end of the year. You know, beginning of the year, we had tragedy, but by the end of the year, the Lord started restoring everything. Etta went through a year of physical therapy and, you know, five surgeries. And I walked. Mm. I mean, that was pretty miraculous. I didn't know if I'd yeah. ever walk again. I She's walk walking. and I walk without pain. She's it's hiking mountains amazing. and carrying babies around. You know, she's had three more babies since this time when they weren't sure if she'd be able to have another pregnancy, you know, and we've gone. I mean, I just thank God for the last chapter of Job. You know, without that, it would have been like, oh, no. But the last chapter of Job, you know, this restoration time. And that's that's our story, really, is we passed through the fire and we weren't burned. We passed through the water and we did not drown. And we came out the other side with more glory and more faith and more strength than ever. And as Mm. tragic and difficult as it was, we wouldn't trade that experience. We would not trade that experience. It was part of our journey that was necessary and important. Amen. I'm tracking with you. And, you know, I, that's, I think a promise to us, you know, I mean, that is the promise in Christ, (laughs) right? That, the things that were meant for evil for us will be turned for our good and yeah. that the victory of Christ will be evident in regardless of resistance or those other things that happen to us in life, which, you know, life is is replete if they say, you know, if that's a good word with difficulty. And yeah. but the resurrection power of Christ surrounds and supersedes our weakness. So. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to hear that. Yeah, and I just want to speak to you. I just feel like to draw out something along these, we haven't talked about it, but I just feel like maybe somebody that is listening or going to be listening to this would benefit from, I think, the real temptation for all of us as we all go through trials and testings of our faith and Satan asked to sift us like wheat and all of those things. The temp- the biggest temptation is to become offended with God. Yeah. And sometimes that yeah. looks like offense towards somebody else or offense at, you know, whatever thing, or we don't yeah. even recognize it. We just slowly begin to shut our heart down 
because of fear or mistrust or whatever. But I think that the key thing that Will touched on was that faith and his sovereignty, like not just his sovereignty. I mean, we all believe in his sovereignty. You can get offended because he is sovereign. Right. And who he is, you know, in how he operates in his sovereignty that he still, I mean, you could look at the cross back then and be like, so offended with God, what happened on the cross. But yet all of his character is there. And we can look today in retrospect and ask, is he loving? Look at the cross. Yes. Is he just? You look at the cross. Yes. Mm. is does he judge sin you look at the cross yes like all of his Mm. and just kind of is Mm. he good Mm. you look at the cross yes like that defines what love is and what good is and we get offended when we think that we can we judge him based on our definition of what good is if it came through in the Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. or our definition of what love is i just would just implore us as his body to get a higher vision Mm -hmm. to do like will said, the bible study now of his attributes and Mm -hmm. calling them forth as a testimony in our life because the testings and trials of our faith are very 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 real yeah and you know what keeps us in fear about oh no something like this could happen to me is is it's ultimately rooted in something inside of us that isn't trusting in those attributes of him Mm-hmm. And who he yeah. is. And let that be a, a warning sign and a flag to us to just dive our hearts deep and to just make a resolution and a vow that we will not be offended by his wow. leadership and his. And yeah. most of the defense comes from a temporal perspective. Like we really think this is all there is. But when we get that eternal perspective, you know, that this life is just a vapor. And everything we're depositing in right now, we'll receive back from the Lord when he comes and his reward is in his hand, you know, and that's the age. We're not living for this age. We're living for another age. We're living for a future age and eternal life and the resurrection. I mean, that's what helps us put it in perspective when we suffer a little bit. You know, like Paul says, these momentary light afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory that is to be revealed. You know, when we compare them, you know, it puts it in perspective. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. we always get so offended because we think it's all about this life right now and being happy and having a good life. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. It's about having a good life for all of eternity. Even if that requires a little bit of shaking up right now to get you where you need to be. Wow. Very true. You know, I think one thing we've got to understand as Christ's body, you know, as believers, is that humanity has its own gospel, right? Humanness. Yeah. Uh, humanism has its own yeah. gospel. It has its own sense of justice. It's got yep. all its own definitions. Yep. And those are an offense, right? Yeah, they're all they're alternative truths, <laughs> yeah. they, and they offend the truth. They stand as idols, mm-hmm. you know, in our hearts a lot of times. And obviously, the Lord patiently, generously, kindly, and with ultimate love is 
pulling these little idols out of our hearts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, he's pulling them out yep. and he's just doing it as a loving father and with ultimate gentleness. I'm so thankful for that. And like, I, you know, I believe that all of life is a purification of motives and, and yeah. we're being led toward Christ's likeness is the goal of life, right? I mean, it's where we're going in this life is Christ's likeness. Obviously, we have a lot of things to do. Yeah. But no matter what we do on the outside, if the garden of our heart is remains untended, it doesn't matter how well we did the stuff on the outside. If the inner man and the inner life is uh, unkept. So I want to thank you guys for work in that garden <laughs> of your inner life. And not only does it help you, I think, maintain perspective, but it also, you know, it turns what could have been bitterness into joy and comfort yeah. and encouragement. Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So we let's say we've got 10 more minutes. Catch us up. Well, let me, I want to share one more story if we have 10 more minutes and I was going to check we do. out time because yep. obviously we went back to the mission field after that. And, right. and a lot of people were surprised by that. You know, when we got back to Uganda, all the Ugandans were like, what are you doing back here? We thought you would never come back, you know, and like, you must really love us that you came back, you know, it wow. took a year, but we got back there eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a journey that our hearts had to go on as well. And really, there was never a question in our mind whether we would go back or not. We felt so called and we knew it was the Lord calling us back there, even though it was the valley of the shadow of death, you know, for us. We knew that we wanted to go back right. and that the Lord was calling yeah. us. But when I would think about it, I would feel so much fear. You know, when I was in America, mm -hmm. I think about it at night and I just start feeling panicky, you know, and start yeah. feeling um, paralyzed with fear. Wow. And that was a journey. And really what it was is before we went to the mission field, the Lord gave me Psalm 91 in a really cool way. And I knew it was mine. You know, it's everybody's, but it was mine. And I was like, yeah. if you abide in the shadow of the Almighty, you know, nothing can hurt you. And he talks about the four categories of, of trouble, you know, like there's wicked men and there's deadly diseases and there's accidents and vicious animals. He gives four different categories and one of them mm -hmm. is accidents. And he says, you won't even strike your foot against a stone. You know, the angels of God will watch out for you. And I'm like, and I'm taking Psalm 91 before we go to the mission field. I'm like, we're invincible. Nothing can happen to us, you know? And, and yeah. I felt like it was a promise from God and it's a scripture. Yeah. And so then this accident does happen to us. And I'm like, okay, this isn't the right time to put God on trial. I'm not going to, you know, but okay, Papa, we're going to need to talk about this at some point. Right now I'm hanging on. <laughs> for but, you know, yeah. after this settles yes. a little bit, me and you need to talk about Psalm 91 because... I don't get this, you know, I am not getting it. So a couple months does go by. The dust does settle a little bit. And I'm like, okay, it's time. Let's talk about Psalm 91. What happened? Because I thought I had a promise that no accident could hurt us. 
And so my heart, he starts taking me on this journey and I'm like, what is it? Like, how did this happen? And I thought we were invincible, but we're not invincible. And it did happen. And what I thought never could happen. I'm talking to the Lord about all this. Mm -hmm. And I start to get this sense that, you know, maybe it's one of those Old Testament, New Testament paradigm shifts, you know, where in the Old Testament, things are physical and the New Testament, those things become spiritual, you know, like the temple and the sacrificial system and all these things that were physical now become spiritual. I'm like, well, maybe that was that how it was? Like it was physical protection in the Old Testament and it's, you know, spiritual protection in the New Testament. And I'm kind Mm -hmm. of just processing all this, trying to figure it out. And one day I'm I'm reading the the word and I catch this word in First Peter one five. He talks about protection. It's really yeah. got my attention because this is what I'm trying to hash it out with the Lord. I'm wrestling with the Lord about. And it says, First Peter one five, who are protected by the power of God through faith. And I'm like, yes, this is the topic of the hour for me. You know, he's talking about we are protected by the power of God. I'm like. Okay, okay, what does it say? Through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In other words, the protection is for the day of salvation, for the day of the Lord. And Mm -hmm. it says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. And so verse six says what the protection is not about. And verse five says what it is about, you know, and he says the protection, you're protected by the power of God, but that doesn't mean you're going to be protected by every difficult challenge in life, you know, because right. it is necessary to go through different trials. The promise for protection, what it is, it's not that you'll be protected from every difficulty, but you, he will protect your heart. He will bring yeah. you through it triumphant. He will protect your heart from falling away. If you yield to him in that way, he'll protect you for the day of the Lord. And then he tells you why these trials are necessary in verse seven, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. So it's necessary for us to have these trials because it purifies our faith. And like you keep mentioning, you know, our, it's, our, our motives are purified by the fire of trials. And mm. it comes out the other side like pure gold. And our faith is purified. And I read this that morning. I'll never forget it. Sitting at the kitchen counter, reading First Peter 1 through 7 in the NASB translation. He's talking about protection. And I say, this is my testimony. This is my story. That we went through a trial, but he protected our heart through it. And we Mm -hmm. passed through the other side and our faith is more pure and more strong than ever before. And on the day of the Lord, when he appears, it's going to result for us in praise and glory and honor. And man, I'll tell you, this might sound like a lot of theology, you know, and whatever, But let me tell you, when I got this that morning, something shifted in my heart and fear broke off of my heart from that day forward. And the way this hit my heart was, this is my story. And I know that going back to Uganda, 
I might drive on that same road with my family in the vehicle where we had that accident. Yeah. But I'm not afraid because God brought me through it the one time. And if the worst happens, I know that God will bring me through it again. You know, and I didn't have that fear. I didn't have the fear. Even if the worst happens, I have no promise that I'm invincible anymore. You know, that thing was kind of a false promise. I did it. That wasn't real. But what it was is even if the worst happens, the promise is he will bring me through it and I'll keep loving him and my faith will be stronger and he'll work it all for good and it will result in goodness for all of eternity for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It'll be glory and honor and praise for me. And that is the promise. And I looked dead on into the face of driving those roads in Uganda with my family. And I said, yes, I can face that because he's been faithful and I don't have to be afraid. And that's when, boom, the fear broke off my heart. And I told Etta about that later that day. And she said, you'll never believe this. I was reading a morning devotion this morning in this book by Nancy Guthrie, who write, has written extensively about these topics. And, and she said, my morning devotion was Nancy had lost her two children. And she's talking to God about what about Psalm 91, God? And God says, read First Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. So <laughs> she has the same dialogue with God that I had. And God gave her the yeah. same answer that he gave me. And Edda had read about it that morning as I'm reading about it in the other room. She's reading about it in her devotional. And I'm like, wow, this is a confirmation for me. And so from that day forward, we were ready. And we went back to Uganda and we never struggled with that fear and uncertainty again. It just broke off mm. our hearts. Well, I mean, those are special touches from the Lord, right? And, you know, I, I picture it like the Lord is setting stones in our hearts, you know? Yeah. And I mean, he's, it's so multifaceted and he's getting it just the right polish and just the right cut on that stone. And then he's setting it inside of our hearts. Amen. Wow. Yeah. And he, he knows how to put the finishing touches on it in a way that is such his signature. You know, he yeah. just knows how to do that inside of us. It's eternal. Mm -hmm. Never going to lose that. Mm -hmm. And it, it will be to the praise and glory and honor, mm -hmm. as you're saying, in the next life. Thank God. Thank God for what he's done inside of you guys. Etta, give us your give us your parting perspective, would you? I think I've said it somewhere else in here, but I'll just say it again because I, I have had to sometimes narrow this down into what is the one thing that I would want to give or be able to impart to someone from this experience. That would be just to implore, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ to just not fear the future, like we have nothing to fear. Like his, like I said, his grace is sufficient. Even when it's grace to just endure, he gives you the grace to endure. It's all him. He has peace that passes understanding inside of him, ready to bestow on us. All he says is just pray, just talk to me. 
That's all we've got to do. And he will give us the peace that passes understanding. So when we look at our futures, let's just not entertain fear. Let's decide now and place our trust in him right now for everything that comes. And wherever we maybe are feeling fear right now, to just start to talk to him about it, to give our petitions to him, to give him our voice, let him hear it, believing and knowing his peace that is beyond the understanding, you know, what our situation would call for will come and surround us. Hmm. Wow. Very encouraging. Thank you for that. And thank you both for joining us. It's an honor. I feel honored. Obviously, you guys are honoring the Lord and honoring his people by sharing this. And and thank God for the victory he's brought you into mm-hmm. and for the future, yet full of hope and good fruit ahead. Yeah. I would very much like to catch up with you guys in Uganda. Come on. I'm working on a plan to get to Kenya. So I was right there close. I was just below Uganda there. I think you guys are pretty close to Kenya where you are. We are. Yeah. So, yeah. Might not be too hard to get there. Come on. Uh, we'll make you some beans and posho. <laughs> well, Ugali is my least favorite. Will posho <laughs> take me to the next level? <laughs> yeah. It's even a notch down from Ugali. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. Well, blessings to you guys. Thanks so much. If someone wanted to connect with you or find out more about your story, is there a blog or how would they do that? We don't really have much we're, of a blog. We're pretty bad about social media. We've got, well, I do have a YouTube channel. They could find me on there. There you go. Oh, you have a yeah. on yeah, YouTube. I got yes. a few things on there. I'm working on writing all this into a book one day. Yeah. But uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, actually, you know what? I did talk about this topic on my YouTube. So okay. on my YouTube, you can do a, I'll take you through first Peter chapter by chapter and build out the theology mm-hmm. of suffering from the apostle Peter's perspective and tie it in okay. with our story. So that can be part yeah. of you if you want to go deeper and say, Hey, I yeah. need to do that Bible study. I need to cultivate the theology of suffering and get a hopeful, optimistic view about suffering in my own heart, because I don't know what you know, when my time will come to be tested by the fire. If that's you, mm-hmm. what you want to do and go deeper into this, look for that on my YouTube channel. How do we, how do we find your YouTube channel? You know, that's a good uh, uh, question. <laughs> uh, I think you could just like type my name on YouTube. Uh, I think it's Will Sheehy, S-H-E-H-E-E. Yeah. I think if you do William, it'll come up. There's another basketball player with the same name. If you get past him, you'll probably see me after that. But <laughs> S-A-P-H-E-E. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for being here and for sharing your story and for talking through this with us, helping us understand how you processed it. You know, I look forward, as you do, to, you know, the realities of everything we've been promised and and to the overwhelming value that we're really storing up in heaven now. To be revealed, right? Because, you know, your real life is already in Christ, you know, and it's waiting to be revealed. So I'm super thankful for that. Guys, I'll uh, double back with you on the possibility of eating some pushu or whatever. <laughs> Come on, man. Posho. Okay. Sorry. 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 About that. You'll learn. Yeah. Don't worry. You'll learn. I'll, I'll learn it <laughs> firsthand. Something, something assures me that I will. 
As for me, I am Scott McClellan, and this has been your From the Forefront podcast from FX Missions. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. You've been listening to From the Forefront, hosted by FX Missions' Scott McClelland. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more information on today's guest, please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fxmissions. Please rate our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. If you know someone who should be a guest on our podcast, we're currently reviewing candidates for upcoming episodes. Please submit their name, affiliation, and an essay of why their story needs to be told to info at fxmissions.com. And of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at fxmissions.com. From Scott McClelland and the whole team here at FX Missions, thanks for listening. Till next time, have a great day.